Hello, and welcome to the McCovey Chronicles Happy Hour. My name is Sammy Higgins. This week, I was joined by Jamie Neal, where we discuss the Oakland A's, and she gives us a little insight into some of the reasons why there's bad blood among A's fans against the Giants. We also talk about bat flips for the Trevor Project and the trans community, and get a little heated about the designated hitter. Without further ado, here's my interview with Jamie. Hi, everyone. Today we're joined by Jamie Neal. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So would you be willing to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. um, My name is Jamie. I started a baseball and football podcast and uh, website back in 2010 um, called Downs and Outs and uh, kind of parlayed that into a radio internship, and then a podcast that focused on the Niners, and then some writing opportunities uh, covering the A's and the Niners, and uh, here we are. I, I, I think you and I met on Twitter a couple of years back and um, finally getting a chance to get on your show with you, so yeah. Well, thank you. We're happy to have you here. So we do this thing at the beginning of all of our, our podcasts where we try and get to know everybody a little bit better with some weird questions. So we're going to go ahead and go through those. If you were commissioner for a day, what would you change? I would change baseball to 100 games in the span of Memorial Day to Labor Day. There's, I don't remember where I heard this. It's not a, It's not my own thought, but there's no sports from like there's no sports over the summer basketball just ended hockey just ended football doesn't start until september so if you go down to 100 games all of those games mean more there's less injuries to star players and then you finish the world series around the beginning of october when the nfl is just kind of hitting its stride after the beginning of the first four weeks five weeks you you dominate the entire summer and Owners will never go for this, but <laughs> it just makes it makes so much more sense to not put that much wear and tear on star players' bodies and to create a system where, I mean, we're still going to come down to one or two games mattering in every division for division races. So, like, if we eliminate two thirds of the, or a third of the season, then it's just it's just less awful for the athletes, especially. Uh, you know, you see these stupid little nagging injuries that keep people out for 10 days. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have those. So that's what I would change. That's funny. Yeah, you're actually the second person who said that. Um, and um, the first person that said it was a Dodgers fan. And obviously, you know, you're playing deep into the playoffs every year. And everybody's just like, just gassed by the end of the season. And it's, yep. that's that's no fun. Uh, I mean, unless you're a Giants fan and you root for the Dodgers to lose. But... <laughs> That's the side of the point. Um, so what I asked her was, um, how would how would you uh, propose making that work? Like, fewer like well, she suggested no interleague play. Um, I suggested maybe one series. So if you're playing, um, uh, like San Francisco and St. Louis, maybe once a year they play at home, and then the next year they play on the road. What what would you think? Um, I would probably drop the amount of times you play your division rivals. Hmm. Um, I don't need to see the Angels or the Mariners <laughs> or the Astros or Rangers 19 times. I think I think it's 19 times a year for each of those teams. Like, 
your division rivals. And so, you know, drop that to 12. You do a home and home and then split uh, two and two. And then you can still schedule it where you have some interleague. Like if you're in, if you're in LA facing the angels, you can still go across the way and face the Dodgers. You face the angels for a two game and then the Dodgers for a two game, uh, come home and face the giants for a two game. And they go down to Arizona and face the diamondbacks for a two game or whatever. Like, I see. Are you sure you're proposing more two game series? Yeah. Just, just in terms of still being able to keep in the interleague play. Right. Um, Obviously, I'm I'm not looking at a map right now with how it's <laughs> laid out, but like if you did Boston and Philly, like you know those are close enough. Or you did the Mets and the Yankees; those are close enough for everybody to be able to see the opposing league. And for uh, oh, that's the other thing. I'll I'll get to that in a second. I got one more change. <laughs> okay. But yeah, just just drop if you drop seven games off of five teams or four teams, I guess that's 28 games out of the 62. And so, you know, if we're, you know, we're a third of the way there already, just dropping a couple of those divisional games from the schedule. Um, and then maybe it's a thing, I don't, I don't have the schedule in front of me and I'm not super up on how it all works. But if we're seeing the Yankees and if we're seeing the AL East twice a year, maybe we just see them once a year. And right. so, you know, just changing some of those things that aren't, like, I don't have – there's no rivalry. I'm an A's fan. I hate the Dodgers uh, <laughs> only because of 1988. Um, yeah. But, like, I don't have a rivalry with the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't I don't care if I see them twice. So the Minnesota Twins are the – the only reason I hate the Royals is because they beat us in the wild card in 2014. So, you know, I'm not – it doesn't matter to me if I lose a series with the Tigers, the Royals, the Twins, the Indians, and the White Sox. Like, I don't – that's not a thing for me. And and I feel like it gets to a certain point, especially with your divisional rivals, that, for example, the Giants, I think they had, like, a four-game series against the um, Diamondbacks, and then, like, three games later had another three-game series against them. And it's like, I, you get so sick of those teams, and I'm sure the players feel the same way at a certain point. And you get to a point where you know the team so well that even a team like the Giants, who are playing terrible ball will compete with a team like the Dodgers because you know each other so well that it's like, okay, you're going to win, you know, six out of the 19, seven out of the 19 games. That's generous. Like it, I'm <laughs> probably, but I really hate the Dodgers. Um, okay. The other thing I would change is I would get rid of the DH. No, no, I know. I know about this. I know, but listen, baseball sucks right now. Like baseball is not capturing new viewers and the reason is in my opinion it's too long both in season length and game time and nobody cares about watching the seven eight nine hitters when it's marco scudero in his 19th year and matt well i can't say madison because he's one of the good hitters uh and it's barry zito who pitched in the al for nine years before he went to the giants barry nobody zito wants to see world that. series bunter thank you very much Okay, and, and listen, Barry Zeta deserves a lot of credit for your guys' success, but, well, toward the end of his, his time with you guys, yeah. but um, I don't, I don't want to watch it. Like, I want to, the only, the reason the Bartolo Colon is who he is, is because he's fun and he does a good job. Uh, there was a picture for the Cubs a while ago, Carlos Zambrano. He could swing the stick. Cool. But 
those pitchers, you know, Madison Bumgarner, those pitchers are seen as as good hitters, quote unquote, but they're not good hitters. Well, they're good if, hitters, if they, good pitchers. Yes, I, I, exactly. But see, here's will. here's a counterpoint to that, and sure. that the one of the things that, and I don't speak for everybody or you know even a majority of people, but one of the things that a lot of people really like about baseball is the um, this. The scarcity, I guess, is maybe not the right phrase I'm trying to think of, but um, things that don't happen very often. So sure. when they do happen, so like a pitcher getting a hit, a Tim Lincecum triple, a uh, Madison Bumgarner home run. And then the Giants did go on a stretch there where their, their pitchers were really hitting, not well for, for hitters, sure. but hitting well. So I find stuff like that, especially you know in a team that's not doing very good, to be a lot to add a lot of interest and fun to the game. And I, I do see the other side, but I'm not ready to let go. So I was covering a Giants game. I want to say it was 2013. Uh, it was the Giants-Padres in San Francisco. It was the end of the season. And I was sitting in the press box next to Allie Williams. Uh, we both used to write for this website called Base Sports Net that's now defunct. Mm-hmm. And she was super kind, took me under her wing, let me sit next to her and whatever. And everybody was talking about, like, it was the last series of the season, um, and it was the first game of the last series, and everybody was talking about how excited we were that the season was ending and that we weren't having to look for things to be excited about because when you're, you know, when you're going to be 15, 20, 25 games under 500, those are the things that you look, you're like, all right, cool, Tim Lincecum got a triple, like, he's the first Giants pitcher since 1954 to hit a triple. Like those are fun stats to have, and they're absolutely fun things to see. But I don't miss them when they don't happen. Like it's not like I'm sitting there watching a good team play, and I'm like, oh man, it'd be really cool if CC Sabathia hit a home run right now. That's not true. That's probably come out of my ho- my mouth because it's a home run. But I've never said that about a triple. And so, like, just be a better team, and you won't miss those things because they're not as important when in 2010 2012 2014 when you guys won three world series nobody gave a crap about that happening that just added to it for me and i really liked watching those teams play those teams were uh, as an A's fan i really don't like the giants too much uh, <laughs> i got into writing sports and i chose to write about you guys because i knew that coming into that landscape i would have a greater audience if I chose to write about the team that was winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a fun team to write about. Like it's hard to hate Brian Wilson and Sergio Romo and Pablo Sandoval and Timmy Lynn and Matt Cain. Like that team was fun. Um, mm-hmm. All three of those teams were fun. Cody Ross, like goodness. But yeah, like when you guys were good, everything that was weird and out of the ordinary just seemed that much better. Okay. I'll, I'll... I'll agree to disagree here because I think that the I think um, fans of diff- the different leagues are kind of coming at it from a different like um, True. Expe- a level of expectation for for those roles. So um, we we'll move on to the second question. So if you had to give an impromptu TED talk, what could you talk about at length? Oh goodness, I like TED talks a lot. Um, <laughs> let's see, I would probably choose to talk about being patient with yourself. And kind of forgiving of how much pressure we put on ourselves because I feel like a lot of it comes from 
external sources and then we internalize it and don't give ourselves enough credit for being better. Or I would talk about the need for kindness and patience and understanding towards other people um, and kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt and kind of a a charitable assumption sort of a mentality Mm -hmm. so that we don't take personal other people's issues. I I guess it would be about bettering ourselves by bettering the people around us. I like that. That's um, I think we could use more of that these days. I agree. So now to move on to the silly question. Um, favorite ballpark food from any park? So I was in Minnesota and went to Target Field, and they had this ridiculous pork sandwich that they were like shaving the pork off of the side of meat. Uh, and they had this great barbecue sauce, and the bun was perfect, and the cabbage coleslaw was amazing. Everything about it was phenomenal. And that's one of my favorites, but I think my favorite is probably um, the shredded chicken nachos at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, those, they've got these pinto beans and they've got jalapenos and uh, the chicken is seasoned perfectly. And I know I'm probably biased because it's Oakland <laughs> and it's one of the only good things we have in our stadium. Um, but like when I go to the Coliseum, I seek those out, and I'm like, did they take them off the menu this year? <laughs> nope, they're here. All right, cool. We're good. I know what I'm having for lunch. So. Um, what about well, you? What's your favorite? Oh, God. Okay. See, I haven't been to a lot of ballparks, so it's not like a question. That's funny. I've never had the tables turned on me. I think um, I, I'm kind of boring. I go, and I generally will have, like, a sausage and some garlic fries and maybe some popcorn. I'm just – or – once that we got wild and I've had a crazy crab sandwich, but we had to split it because it's like twenty dollars. Heard, yeah. Ballpark food's ridiculously expensive. Yeah, and I might I might cut the section because I don't want to offend Giants fans. Um, sure. It's it's really not worth the twenty dollars. It was worth but, trying it. But that's the thing. Nothing at the ballpark is worth that. That's why the Falcons. I I admire Arthur Blank because the Atlanta Falcons have dropped all of their concession prices. I think like their sodas are like three bucks oh my God. and their hot dogs are like two or three dollars. Like it was a big deal two years ago. I think it was, or yeah, maybe it was last year. That. Yeah. And like, that's reasonable. And guess what? I'm going to go and buy two or three sodas and right. I'm going to have two hot dogs. Um, but I'm not, I'm not paying $14 for a beer at any stadium because I'm just like, nah, oh God, no. I can buy like two six packs for that. So yeah. no. Yeah, absolutely. And well, yeah. the thing about though, I, I know that most stadium food's all overpriced and not worth it. But like the thing about the the crab sandwich, it, that's like the holy grail to a lot of people. Like, oh, you have to have the crab sandwich, and they do it on the broadcast all the time. And then I had it, and I was like, it's like garlic bread and crab, and that's great. But it's tiny. I'm like, what well, twenty dollars? Okay. You better be giving me like a good size sandwich. Next time I come home, I'll go to the I'll go to a game, and. I will try that crab sandwich, and then I will tweet about it, and I will offend all Giants fans because I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't care if they're offended. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll I'll give a fair review uh, in addition to yours. And we're back with Jamie. So we like to ask everybody what made them fall in love with um, either baseball or your specific team or even just, like, sports in general. Um, what's your story? Um. 
so my dad used to run a restaurant in the Bay Area called California Cafe. Uh, he was a uh, he was the head chef there for years, and his purveyors would always give him tickets. Uh, you know, if they couldn't make it to a game or whatever, they'd give him tickets. So I got to go to a bunch of games. That's that's how my love of sports started. Um, and actually, the first game I ever got to go to was at Candlestick. It was a Giants game, and I'll never forget walking up and the first time I got to see the grass peek through from the field, like, you know, seeing the infield peek through the, uh, like the stands Mm -hmm. and still, um, I'm like a kid when I see that, like (laughs) when I walk into Oakland's Coliseum, you walk up these big ramps and when you get to the top, you like, you might have to take two or three steps and then you can see that. And it's always like, it's always something that I appreciate just because baseball is like, for being such a crappy sport in terms of not evolving with the times, it's one of the purest sports in terms of like tradition and how it conducts itself and the unwritten rules and all of those things that like you don't understand unless you've been a fan of the game forever. And you know, some of them I think are stupid, but it's baseball. Like that's what baseball is. And so, and the A's growing up, it was, you know, it was Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson and Dave Stewart and Dennis Eckersley and um, Mike Gallego and Terry Steinbeck. Like, I don't know how you don't fall in love with that team. And I appreciated Matt Williams and Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell. Like those guys were, really fun to watch as a kid. Like it just like, like when you have a nickname, like will the thrill, you're like, yo, that guy's awesome. <laughs> but, but it wasn't watching McGuire and Conseco and the Bash brothers. Like that just, it was just a thing. And all of my friends growing up were giants fans. Uh, and I just was like, no, I think I'm, I think I'm going to buck the trend and be an ace fan. And my uncle was an ace fan. So we watched baseball together and, just kind of how we got here. What about your dad? Was your dad a Giants fan? No, my dad hates sports. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, he just he went with me because he knew that I loved sports. Like I've I've loved sports my whole life from from uh, you know I've been playing sports since I was four. And so um, I remember we went to a Sharks game one year, and we went to a Sharks game before this, and he was like, oh, "Okay, cool." But the Sharks were playing the Kings, and he was born and raised in L.A. Oh. And so the Kings were up 6-5, to five and Pat Falloon hits a one-timer to tie it up 6-6. Six to six. The game ends, and we're walking out, and he's like, hey. And I was like, what? He's like, I was rooting for the Sharks at the end there. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> but I was rooting for the Sharks and not the Kings. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. And I got all <laughs> excited as a kid. Um, but, yeah, like. He he didn't love sports, but he knew that I did, and that was, like, our thing. And I was an only child till I was eight or maybe seven. So my brother and sister weren't old enough to go to these games even the first few years. So it just remained our thing. And then, uh, and then there were rules put in place uh, as corporations got a little bit bigger and thoughts of impropriety started taking hold. Uh, where you couldn't take tickets or or favors, quote unquote, anymore. 
So my brother and sister never really got the opportunity to go and do those things with him. So it was just kind of like our little thing. Yeah. That's not very nice. I didn't, I had something similar with my dad. Um, when I was a little kid, it was all my brother and he took my brother to games and, um, I mean, you know how it goes sometimes. Yep. Um, but when I was in high school, I never went to a game at Candlestick. My first baseball game was at the Coliseum. Um, and we traveled down from Lake Tahoe for that, which was a, um, an adventure. Uh, so, but my, my first Giants game that wasn't at the Coliseum uh, was in high school because, again, my dad's company had tickets. And so he, my brother was in college, I think, at that point. So he would just started taking me every few weeks or so. And so that's really where, uh, you know, I loved uh, baseball growing up. I loved Barry Bonds, but who was still playing when I was an adult. But yeah. Um, so that, but that for me, like when, when AT&T or Oracle, whatever it's called, uh, when the ballpark opened up, that's kind of where like my d- more deep seated love of the team came from. It's, you know, the team and the ballpark and all of that. So yeah, it's nice to have those, uh, that time with your parents, even if your dad didn't like sports, it's, it seems <laughs> that he, he had a grudging appreciation for it for your sake at least yeah absolutely so i wanted to talk to you you have is it a fundraiser or do you are you raising money with bat flips in your softball league yeah it's not a fundraiser um i mean it could be if if anybody wants to jump on board but um so i'm trans and a couple years ago i had been on hormone replacement therapy and all this other stuff. And there was actually another trans chick who was playing softball in the Las Vegas area and something happened and she started getting a lot of flack for it. And I was like, I can't just sit back and let her do this by herself. So I went to the directors and I was like, Hey, you know, what do I need to do to play as a female? Like this is the deal. And they were like, you just need to have your driver's license marker changed, like the gender marker on your driver's license changed. And I was like, okay. So since I'd already been on hormones, it was a super easy process. Um, I got a, a note from my therapist and a note from my endocrinologist, took it to the DMV, and it was done. And then the day after Trump got elected, I was playing, we played double headers, um, but you play against two different teams. And both teams had players on their team that were talking crap and being rude and whatever and I went home kind of bummed out and by kind of bummed out I mean super bummed out and I was like all right I'm gonna I knew there was a gay league out here like it's a national association of gay amateur softball or something I forget what it what the acronym is but Mm -hmm. it focuses on the LGBT community and so I hit them up and was like hey how do I get on a team and they're like our season's ending I was like I don't care put me on a team for like two weeks we're good (laughs) and then I was laying in bed and I was like you know what I got to do something positive about this because I'm just not a negative person Mm -hmm. and so and like it's rec league softball like this wasn't at the time I wasn't playing high level tournaments it was literally beer league softball (laughs) so I was like okay for every home run I hit I'm going to donate five bucks to the Trevor Project and I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of showing emotion when you play sports. Like Javier Baez is one of my favorite players because he plays the game the way I think it should be played, which is 
with enthusiasm and exuberance and being demonstrative and, and pumped up, like, you know, like that tag that he had at the World Baseball Classic where he's pointing at uh, Yadier Molina mm-hmm. as he's swiping. Uh-huh. Like, I love that. It's one of my favorite <laughs> baseball images ever. So then um, I started Batfoot for the Trevor Project. And then Donald Trump banned transgender people from serving in the military, which is like, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like people are willingly putting their lives on the line for our country and you don't want them to serve. Like really, really confused. So then I was like, well, this is easy. Um, I'm just going to donate $5 for every home run to the national center for trans equality as well. So now for every home run I hit in league or tournaments. um, So these tournaments I play are like uh, they're massive. Like, there's teams that are throwing around literally tens of thousands of dollars a year for travel and hotels. And we're playing ex college softball, ex, ex division one players and, mm-hmm. um, you know, team USA, like it's a big deal. Um, so yeah, like every, every tournament home run and every league night home run, I donate, $10, five to the Trevor project and five to the national center for trans equality. And a couple of people have jumped in and been like, Hey, please keep me posted. I will donate along with you for your, uh, your successes. And so that's been pretty cool to have support from people in the community. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. We're going to get your um, your social media handles later on in the podcast, and I think everybody cool. should follow along and donate if you can. I'm in. Uh, so, okay. So this is the thing that we do here on the podcast. Kind of the whole point is to check in with um, fans from around the league uh, and, and check in on different teams. And obviously the A's are literally like right across the water from us. Um, but maybe not everybody has time to follow more than just the depressing Giants. And so we kind of wanted to touch base with you and have you let us know how the A's are doing this season. Right now we're losing 2-0 to zero against the Twins, but it's only <laughs> the second inning, so it's okay. And the Twins are hot. We're doing okay. I mean, it's the A's. Like, we always do okay. <laughs> it, we're, it's really, really frustrating to be an Oakland A's fan because I, I looked at the salary for the team earlier today. My, so my, my computer died. Like, legitimately, Apple was like, hey, it'll cost us $400, $500 to fix it, or you can just buy something new. And I was like, I'm not paying $500 to fix yes. a computer from 2011. Okay. So... I'm doing all of this on my phone, and if any of this information is not correct... Um, blame Apple. Uh, yeah, blame Apple for... I love Apple. I was just... I found this out. Like, my computer literally died Sunday. I had an appointment yesterday, and they were like, we can't fix it. Mm-hmm. So, our salary's just south of $92 million. It was like ninety one six, And that's a ton of money for regular people like me and you. Right. But in the grand scheme of things... They're like bottom 10 in salary in the league again. And I think that that's only like $6 million more than they paid back in 06 when they lost to the Tigers in the ALCS. I want to say that that team's salary was like $85 million or $87 million. And I was like, since that series, the reason I that number sticks out to me is because I was like, gosh, like, if they had 50 million more, just 130 million, like what could Billy Bean and David Force do 
in terms of putting a team together when they're always playing from behind from a salary standpoint. Well, is it this is it the situation that they don't have it or that they won't spend it? So it depends on who you ask. Um, if you're asking the ownership of the A's, they don't have it. If you're asking the fan base and Billy Bean, and I'm sure David Force at the same time, um, they choose not to spend it. Like, I feel like even since Steve Schott was the owner, which was back in the early to mid 2000s, um, the A's have been run like a business and not like a sports franchise should be. Mm -hmm. And for me, as a fan, like, there's nothing in the world that I want more than to watch my team succeed. Like, so the Warriors just won three and five. Mm -hmm. um, and who knows what happens if Clay and KD aren't injured. Right. So, like, I can't be mad at the Warriors. I, I remember when Lacob bought the Warriors. <laughs> I remember this. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, maybe, like, this guy's saying all the right things. Let's see if he comes through. And he did. Like, I read a stat on Sunday when free agency started for the NBA that Lacob is going to save $1 billion by Katie choosing to sign with the Nets. Like, that's how much Joe Lacob was willing to spend to go over the luxury tax and have the repeater tax and, and all of this to it's re-sign so Katie It's so refreshing because, well, okay, the NBA is a very different animal than MLB, but it's so refreshing to see a team owner like, no, spend that money. Money's not an object. Get the players. And that that's how they got Steve Kerr because Mark Jackson wasn't changing up his – uh, his assistant coaches and like it was like listen go get people that'll win and and I may be misquoting all of this but Mark Jackson stuck to his guns and and tried to do what he thought was best and Kerr comes in and spends money and and here we are so as an ace fan it's frustrating when you're under a hundred million dollars in 2019 because you know that it's really really challenging to compete like you know what if the A's had re-signed Jason Giambi and given him his no-trade clause? And what if the A's hadn't traded away Carlos Gonzalez? I think they... I, it's been a while since I've talked about that trade, but I think they traded Carlos Gonzalez for Andre Ethier? No. I'm sorry. He went to Colorado for us to rent Matt Holiday. Like, what if we had just not done the, the trade game and we just signed all of these players that have gone on to be stars everywhere else. That's the thing is you hear some, and it, it, it's kind of astounding when you hear some of the names of the players that used to play for the A's and got traded. It's like, ah, that, it hurts. Well, it hurts me as a Giants fan. And I, right. I have like A's fans, friends that are just like despondent sometimes when it comes to baseball, like they won't buy player merch. Cause like, what's the Yo, point? What's the, the, point? the only person whose player merch I've ever in the past 14 years, 13 years that I've purchased that had a name on the back was Sean Doolittle. Mm -hmm. And it's because when I came out, he and his wife were super kind and reached out to me and we became friends through it. Um, like his wife is still a good friend of mine. Um, and I went, I wrote a piece about, being trans and going to the first LGBT night at the Coliseum with a lady named Sarah Kogad from SB Nation, who's also still a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. So that's the only person 
that I've ever bought with their name on it because of exactly this. Like right. I, I own, I, I flew to Salt Lake city this morning and I packed my Oakland A's hoodie because it gets down to the sixties here at night during the summer. So I'll buy a stuff, but it's nothing with anybody's name on it because Sean Doolittle got shipped off yeah. to Washington. And, you know, you just, you can't, you never know. Like, uh, Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. was a mainstay at third base. I'm not upset that Matt Chapman's playing there. Like, obviously, right. I'm thrilled with his uh, his play and, and his coming up. But I feel like we're always baptizing kids by fire. Like, it's always, mm-hmm. oh, hey, we're going to... We're gonna bring up the young guns, and then we're gonna, then we'll sign. Gonna bring up the like I've heard that four or five times now. Can we just can right. we sign them now? Like Chris well, Davis so- getting sixteen and a half million, I was geeked. <laughs> but and and Yoana Cespedes too. He got like twelve twelve and a half over four years when we signed them. Cool, but then we traded him two years in. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's it's actually it's really interesting um, to me because it kind of feels like. Um, despite, you know, being just like local rivals, it's like the, right now the, the Giants and the A's are like, you juxtapose them together and you've got like the exact opposites where the Giants are paying so much money for not just their homegrown players, but the people that they've signed in big free agency signings and yep. they're paying the most money in fielding one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, and then kind of what a lot of Giants fans want is for them to just like sell everybody off, trade everybody, turn everybody around for something else. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I get that. I get that mentality and I get the reason behind a lot of it. But one of the things over the last few years as a Giants fan, as they've started sliding down, is we, we at least have players that we like and we know – and that, you know, it, that we love rooting for. And it's like the last thing that we've got going for us. And so emotionally wise, it's like, at least we have that. And I feel like I, I can't imagine if, if we got what a lot of Giants fans are like asking for and we just didn't have any of those familiar faces to root for. It's like, what would be left? Well, and I, I remember when you guys were extending Aubrey Huff and Marco Scudero and a lot of these guys, I was like, I mean, Marco Scudero played for the A's for a decent little stretch and this was like the mid 2000s and so for you guys to, i think you extended him after the 2012 world series for three years and 21 million or something and i was like what are they doing and then aubrey huff got like two or three years at 11 million a year mm-hmm. and i was like i don't understand these moves and this is as an ace fan because we don't operate this way and and thankfully because um I think it's wrong to pay players for past performance. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's a bad uh, strategy to pay players for past performances. I think we'd all agree with that. I um, actually wouldn't. Sorry, I would strongly really? dis- I would strongly disagree. Be- until, and, and let me add a caveat. Until they change the way the system works for when players get paid, I have no problem with veteran players getting paid for past performance because they didn't get paid shit when they were actually you know young. And performing okay. at the highest levels. So, not from a not from a moral or ethical standpoint, but from a trying to stay competitive standpoint every year. Sorry, trying to stay competitive every year standpoint. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make good sense to pay a thirty four year old 
11 million dollars a year when you know that they're through their prime i don't have an issue with i don't know what aubrey huff made before he became a giant i have no clue mm-hmm. um i know he never i know i don't think he was making 11 million a year no regardless um somebody like marco scudero who was a, a good player and a good piece but like more like a Cody Ross than a Buster Posey or, you know, or even a Pablo Sandoval. Um, I just, I, I don't see the point when they're in, when they're past 30 in signing those, those bigger contracts. And so like when you sign Brandon Crawford, it's like, okay, well we brought him up through the ranks and we're going to pay him because we see value in this, that, and the other. Tim Linscombe with a $20 million, $21 million a year for two years, like $42 million total. Timmy Lynn was one of the most dominant pitchers in the league. I get those. Not when he got even, that paycheck, but yeah. Well, and even Matt Kane, he signs the five-year $100 million or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't on the other side of his career by that point. And so, like, from a moral standpoint, I think that, first of all, I think athletes are overplay, overpaid immensely but i also think that major league baseball is one of those uh one of the sports who hasn't caught up with everybody else in terms of the way they pay their players i think you're right in that so i don't necessarily disagree with you morally but from a fan standpoint i don't want eric chavez to sign a six-year 66 million dollar deal when he just finished having back surgeries and he's not being competitive on the New York Yankees. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get that. And ultimately, not ultimately, but um, on the other side of it, it's like I'd rather the players make have that money than for it to just get pocketed by the owners. So, so I, the older players. I, I, I agree with that. you on that, but I would rather them spend that money, like pay Aubrey have $6 million a year and take that other five and add two or three and go out and get – you know, somebody not named Billy Butler because yeah. the A's did that. And I was like, what are we, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? So I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I want I the think... owners to pocket it. I just want – I want the GM to be able to go and spend that money on, on someone else. a difference maker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. We can meet in the middle on that one. Yeah. So we had a couple of questions from the McCovey Chronicles community. Sure. Um, so a couple of people were wondering what's going on with the new ballpark. So I saw this on the podcast outline and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to refrain from commenting and here's why I have heard so many updates over the years about new ballparks coming and going and whatever. And it's, there's never anything concrete about it. Um, so until there is, I'm just I'm not even following it closely. Like okay. I know that I know that we just got some sort of a legislation put into place that any opponents to it have to have their lawsuit settled within two hundred and something days, which was a big thing for getting a couple other stadiums built in the state of California. So like that's great. Um and I'm really, really hopeful because I'm an ace fan. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we've been playing in the Coliseum since like 67, I think is the year. Oh my God. And so, but like we were supposed to play in Fremont mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then the giants were terrible, terrible human beings and decided they didn't want to give us the rights to San Jose back. So we were going to try and build a 
a stadium in San Jose, and that's not going to happen. And then it was Howard Terminal, and then it was Jack London Square. And there's just been – and then we were moving. We were going to leave Oakland, and I was like, yo, if we leave Oakland and they don't come to Vegas, I'm not going to be an A's fan anymore. Like, I probably just won't root for a team anymore. I'll just watch baseball for the sake of watching baseball. Um, so I don't, I don't really know because I haven't been keeping up on it enough to speak intelligently about it because mm-hmm. until I hear – Hey, the city of Oakland and the Oakland A's have agreed to something and we break ground. I'm not believing anything. Now, what I hope happens, if I'm being honest, I hope we just tear down the Warriors arena Mm -hmm. and we build there because as nice as it would be to be on the water and as nice as it would be to to go somewhere new, like everything is already set up for the A's to play where they play. So it doesn't add anything. There's no... Like, if you tear down the Warriors arena and you you build there, you don't have to go through all the same hoops and everything to do the environmental impact studies and getting, uh, you know, mass transportation there and all this other stuff. Like, it's already built. Let's just right. – let, that's what I want. And I've got a lot of, a lot of memories at the Coliseum, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't feel as far removed if we were just across the parking lot. So Yeah. Well, so that actually brings up a, a good question – is are they tearing down Oracle Club Arena, or is that still going to be used for like concerts and things? Do you know? I I have no idea. Oh, I assume, sorry, I just thought I'd ask. No, I assume that they're going to tear it down because I figure that very few people are going to play at Oracle rather than going and playing at the Chase Center. Right. Um. So I assume, but that's oh. a, a massive assumption. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. I, I get it. Um, yeah. Okay, so do you know um, from what you did hear about the the most recent proposal for the ballpark, which looked great, um, but I get what yeah. you're saying about keeping it where it is. Um, was that supposed to be publicly funded or like tax funded or? I don't know the workings of how they were going to do that. Um, okay, I have. No, I get not wanting to, to get your hopes it. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my feelings get hurt too much with this team already. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no one bl- <laughs> no one can blame you for that. Uh, we just thought we'd ask. So appreciate it. We had a couple of people kind of ask about the rivalry between the Giants and A's. Um, first of all, do you, do you see them as rivals, or what do you see it as? No, um, no, because we haven't both been good since like at the same time since '89. Yeah, I mean, so 2011, 12, and 13, we made. We won our division, I think, in 2011, 12, and 13, and then took the wild. We went to the wild card and lost to the Royals in 14. Mm-hmm. You guys won in 2012 and 2014, but you guys missed the playoffs in 2011 and 13. So, like, there's always been this little competitiveness that goes on there, but like, I really feel like when we're good, you guys are terrible. <laughs> and when you're good, we're terrible. And you know why that is? That's God's right. way of making sure that we never play each other in the World Series again because the last time it happened, natural disaster. True. And I was seven, and I still remember I was watching that game, and I grew up in a, a trailer park in South mm-hmm. San Jose, and I was watching that so game when that happened. You grew up in a trailer park in South not San in, Jose? Not in South San Jose, but a trailer park. Oh, I was like, oh, my sense. goodness. That, <laughs> I didn't that get it be in the it. best little Easter egg ever on a podcast. Um. Yeah, so when the Loma Prieta earthquake happened, I remember we had this big oak desk, and I didn't come out from under it for hours. 
my god. And my mom was like, no, it's fine. And I was like, nope. No, I and don't then believe you. There was an aftershock in the middle of the night. And I told my mom, I was like, listen, if another earthquake happens, I'm coming out of my bedroom and I'm, I'm going to play video games in the living room because their bedroom was right next to our living room. Mm-hmm. And an aftershock happened at like 4 a.m. Oh, God. And I woke up and I turned on this video game called Qbert on Sega Genesis. And I played Qbert for hours and my mom woke up and was like, what time did you wake up? And I was like, the clock said four, four or five when I first looked at it. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I couldn't sleep. Like it's, I'm seven and the biggest <laughs> earthquake of my life just happened. What are we talking about? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I feel like we're, I feel like we always miss each other in terms of like in 2002, we lost to the Yankees and you guys lost to the Angels. Yeah. And then I think you guys went on a skid after 04, like 04 mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And then 2006, we made it to the ALCS, and then we missed for a few years, and we both kind of toiled away in irrelevancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's what I think about okay. that part of it. So, and I'm not asking you to speak for all A's fans, um, but in your I will opinion- gladly do so. <laughs> Uh, in your opinion, uh, what do you think is the root of the uh, hostility that comes from a lot of A's fans about the Giants? Uh, when I covered the Warriors, when I first started writing, I, um, my first year I covered the 2017 Warriors. And yep. if I so much as like reference to the Giants or anything tangentially related to the Giants, I got my head bit off by A's fans. Like, it's intense. Yeah, we're, we're a prideful bunch. And... And we feel slighted in coverage and we feel slighted in terms of just in terms of fandom. Like I personally know people who on their Facebook pages for years were A's fans, like at the A's game, rocking my A's gear, hashtag Oaktown, hashtag town business. (laughs) And then the Giants win in 2010 and all of a sudden they're rocking Giants gear. And it's funny. So I have an ex who's a Giants fan, and the A's had just toiled away in irrelevancy. And we, I went to Sacramento to look for an apartment because I was moving from Vegas to Sac. And we went to an A's-Reds game August 20th, and tickets in left field were $18. <laughs> now, this is, this is a month, a month and a half before you guys – took the division on the last day against the Padres Mm -hmm. and they were $18 tickets and it was like a hundred degrees. It was the hottest game I've ever been to in San Francisco because we all know that it's bitterly cold there no matter when. Um, And I just remember walking in and being like, yo, this is a great team. Like this is fun. And I even toyed with the idea of trying to get past my bias against the giants. Um, and it's just hard because you guys got the new stadium in 01 or 2000, uh, back when it was Pac Bell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were a little bit bitter because we were still playing in the Coliseum. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you're the running joke of major league baseball in terms of being like, Oh, you're MLB's AAA team. Like it's, it's really true, but it sucks to hear it from everybody. And I personally feel like we would expect, I personally expect Giants fans to 
kind of see things for what they are and not take the national approach because people in the Midwest and the East Coast don't follow the teams. Like, I remember Derek Jeter talking about Tim Lincecum, and somebody asked him, like, hey, what do you – are you excited to face him? He's like, I don't really know much about him. I just, I know that he puts up a lot of wins and, and a low ERA or something like that. Some kind of dismissive comment, but like giving him credit still. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you not know big time Timmy Jim? Like, <laughs> like seriously, how do you not know this guy? He's, he plays your sport. There's only 30 teams like catch up. Bro. You're award on a, winner. Or I don't know if he was on a that plane. Point, but... <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't get it. So, so it feels like the Giants fans are a little bit disrespectful and dismissive of A's fans. And for me, it's like, look, I get the bandwagons are going to happen. Like, that's part of sports. I hate them, though. Like, the the Vegas Golden Knights, I've got, like, four or five friends who jumped on the Knights bandwagon. From wait, wait. The- okay. I'm, I, I've got to call foul on that one. Because Go ahead. Go ahead. Brand, brand new team. How do you have a bandwagon? You have a bandwagon because – so so I'll, I'll explain one of my best friends – uh, one of my best friends deals. So he was born in Alabama, raised in Reno, and then moved to Vegas. So he's a Sacramento Kings fan. He's a Giants fan, a Niners fan, and a Sharks fan. So all close in proximity. And he moved to Vegas, and the Knights come around in 2017, or 2018, I guess. I don't remember, whatever. Two years ago. However, this you know sports seasons are stupid. It's but, like the the fall of twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yes, uh, October fourth, twenty seventeen, or October fifth, twenty seventeen. So he leaves the Sharks to become a Knights fan because, quote, I've never had a pro team in the city mm-hmm. where I lived. End quote. Now here's the thing for me, um, much like the Giants. I, I went to a couple of Knights games, and I tried to cheer for the Knights. Even in the Stanley Cup last year, I wanted, like, I thought I wanted them to beat the Capitals, and I didn't because they knocked the Sharks out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And my loyalty is to the San Jose Sharks. Like, sports fandom is a weird thing, but I can't stop rooting for the Sharks and start rooting for somebody else. And I, I genuinely wanted to support a team not over the sharks mm-hmm. but i wanted to support the team in the city see... that i live in right and but because they team... knocked them out well and because and this is the other part that the giants fans oh god you guys are all gonna hate me this is the other part that the giants fans do that knights fans do that i can't stand so i went to the ring ceremony game with my ex um in 2011 and we paid like 90 bucks for seats sitting up in the 300s. <laughs> and yeah. we're standing in line for the little commemorative rings. Like we got there early. Mm-hmm. And like, I swear to God, 70% of the people had creases in their shirts from them still being folded on the sales racks. And Well, they probably bought them at the game. Nope. Because this is before you get into the game. You're standing outside the stadium. And yeah, so, but you so can, hold on, but, hold okay, on. Go so ahead. here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. So then people start trying to talk baseball with me, like mm-hmm. we're standing in line, and you know whatever. You're bored out there for two hours. I get it. We're, we got to talk about something, and we're talking baseball, and there's like a very, very, very shallow knowledge, which is fine. I get not everybody's as into sports as you and I are, or as Lana Barry or whomever else. Like you know all these other people who are super. 
you know, just super smart about sports or, or invested in it, they don't put as much time in. That's cool. Like it takes all kinds. But then when people try telling me I'm wrong about stuff and I'm like, wait, no, like this is a thing. And they're like, no, 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 this is how this goes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like you really have no clue what you're talking about. And you're trying to talk like you do, like just know your station in life. And let's, nice be, fans, let's be honest that that's not limited to any single no, fan base. I said, I would I say said the vast majority. Well, no, 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 not even that. I'd say the vast majority of sports fans are not highly educated. Not, when by educated, I don't mean like school sure. or whatever. I mean, educated in the game and knowledgeable of the game. They just like rooting for the team. I mean, I that think is that's, totally fair. Most fans are casual fans. Totally fair. However, it goes to the point where. Buster Posey is telling me something about being a catcher. I'm going to listen to him because he knows more than I do. And I know they don't know who Jamie Neal is. Like I get that. But when hockey fans are trying to tell me what icing is in Las Vegas, the second week of this, this happened. I'm sitting at a bar watching the Knights play. And this guy goes, Oh, that should have been icing. And I was like, well, no, it got waved off. And he's like, no, like he, 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 Pass the puck from way back here. And, and, and I was like, and I go to explain it to him and he keeps getting argumentative with me. And I was like, okay, he just doesn't know what icing is. And I let it go. But it, mm-hmm. it happens for three hours of the sports game or the, of the hockey game. And by the end of it, I'm just like, Hey man, listen, like I get that hockey's new here and that's cool. But like, I'm telling you as a fan for 26 years that what I was saying to you, was legitimate like i've I've been watching the sharks since the 90s and so it gets really frustrating when you have fans who want to be excited about a team which is great like please do something that's that's not destructive like find a team to root for and and get it as invested as you want or can but I just it bugs me to no end when people try to sound like subject matter experts on things that they clearly aren't. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's I think that's a flaw in our society. Like, well, and a... I think there's like a, um, a tendency in I don't know if it's now more than ever, but it feels like it of people to not want to admit that they don't know something or not want to admit that they're wrong about anything. Yeah. Uh, and think... rather than take in new information, they will double down. I think there's it's either a TED Talk or a Freakonomics radio podcast. Uh, I listen to both of those a lot when I travel. Mm-hmm. And one of them says the three hardest words in the English language. That's the title of it. And I thought it was going to be I love you because we've all heard that saying often enough. But it's actually I don't know. And they they dive deep into this. And I know that a lot of people aren't willing to admit when they're wrong or admit when they don't know something. You're 100% right on that. I just have a frustration with it because when I mm-hmm. hear somebody speaking like they know about something, I'm at least willing to take a step back and be like, all right, let's, let's listen and see if this person knows it. Mm-hmm. And, and with social media being the way that it is, like a lot of people – so perfect example. I was a friend of mine who is super supportive of me as a trans person but not as a trans athlete shared mm-hmm. – this uh, magazine or this uh, website article that said transgender MMA fighter breaks opponent's skull. And I was like, I would have heard about this. And she shared it on her Facebook page. 
And I asked her about it. I was like, hey, did you read this thing? And she's like, no. And I was like, like we need to Why talk about this. Why did you share it? Right. But because the headline was sensationalized. And about two-thirds right. of the way through, in the middle of a paragraph, they buried this and said that Fallon Fox had fractured one of her opponent's orbital bones. Mm-hmm. Which is and, around oh, the eye, right? Right. And it's a fairly easy bone. Like, of the skull, it is the easiest part to break because it's not a solid mass, from from what I understand, from my limited research. Right. Uh, if some doctor wants to correct me on Twitter, at the no. Jamie Neal, go ahead. I think that's what Ryan Vogelsong broke when he got hit by that pitch. So it's, yeah. not, you know, it's, yeah, it, it happens. And, and so. take, like, okay, go ahead. But we share these things, and we see them on Twitter. We see headlines, or we mm-hmm. see verified people sharing something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, a verified person shared it. It's got to be true. And then it's like, oh, it's not true. Or or you misread an article. I had an argument right. at the other night where I said, hey, a Vegas Knights player got traded. I think it was I think it was Eric Hola got traded. And I was like, oh, they got a fifth-round pick. Or no, I'm sorry, they traded for somebody. And I'm like, it's like, oh, and they got a fifth-round pick. And they're like, no, it's a fourth-round pick. And I was like, I'm, I'm reading it right here, man. It says fifth-round pick. And they, two of my friends who are Knights fans are like, no, it says it right here. It's a fourth-round pick. So I read through the article, and I was like, guys, the guy that they traded for was a fourth-round oh pick. Oh, my God, the reading comprehension. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's where we get into problems is social media being what it is and getting these these uh, stories and this information out so quickly. People are scrolling, and they see something, and they glance over it and then commit it to memory, and they're like, okay, this is what it said. But there's like two words that are misplaced right. in their reading comprehension, and it screws everything up. So, and I think that there's another issue at play as well. And it's funny, we were, I, I wasn't going to do the venting this week, but I feel like we're there. Um, people that will share things without reading it is one of my biggest pet peeves. Sorry, I think I'm yelling into the microphone right now. Um, but it is one of my biggest pet peeves because people will just react based on the headline, and the headlines now is. I get it, but I hate it. The headlines are written to get clicks, even if it's a serious, not serious topic, like a serious um, outlet, they're still trying to get people to click. And so they'll put something in there that's maybe not, not false, but you know, it's a little misleading and people will jump on that. It's like, Hey, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to share something for other people to read, you need to read it first. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I've actually, argued incessantly with one of my editors about this because I'll write a piece and I'll, I always write a headline with my piece just to say, Hey, this is what I think it should be. Mm -hmm. And this editor always edits it. And it's like, no, we're going to go with this. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not okay with that. Like that headline does not fit me. Mm -hmm. And we argue about this back and forth. And finally, I'm just like, listen, I'm telling you as the author of this piece, I'm not okay with it. If you're going to go with what you want to go with, that's up to you, but I'm telling you that I feel like this is dishonest or sensationalized and trying to create mm-hmm. clickbait, and I'm not okay with that. So I agree with you, but I also think that that's the issue that I had with Giants fans and and that A's fans as a whole have is we feel kind of disrespected and we feel kind of like we're the little brother, little sister in the community, but we consistently perform at or above the level the Giants have over the course of time, excluding the World Series wins. Like, we're always in the playoffs, and I think we'd all agree that, you know, it takes 
production and a little bit of luck and staving off some injuries to be able to win. Mm -hmm. And we haven't been able to do that, like, no doubt. But we're always right there in the mix. And we don't feel like we get the credit. Can I can I count not count about but ask a question there that sure. actually fits with another question that our one of our um, our community members asked is why don't the A's like marketing PR people lean into that why do they lean into the throw away your Giants hat and we'll give you an A's hat or say you love the A's and we'll let you park and that stupid <laughs> bullshit it is so I mean petty isn't even the right word it's childish yeah so. I can't speak on that because I'm not part of the I know. I'm not asking you to but what I will but, say. But I don't know why they don't lean into the fact that, they, hey, the team's pretty good. Because we have done that before. We we did that when we won three division titles in a row, and it didn't matter. Like, here's the here's the most frustrating part of being an A's fan is – so I went to an A's game with my best friend. We sat front row, third baseline against the Tigers on a Sunday morning. It was Little League Day. There was 10,000 people in the stands, maybe. And I remember Daniel Schlereth was on the mound for the Tigers in a relief role. And they're kind of rallying. And I yell at him. I'm like, Schlereth! And he literally stopped and reset his motion. He didn't look over at me or anything, but he stopped. That's my favorite thing about the Coliseum. Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell, you, I'll tell uh, you why later. I was so embarrassed as a fan that that dude could hear me uh-huh. from from 200 feet away. Like, I want the stadium to be so packed and there to be so much white noise that uh-huh. you can't hear one nerd at third base yelling at you. <laughs> and But then you try and go to a playoff game, and it's sold out. I think that my my buddy and I paid like $50 for front row third base seat. I'm talking literally 50 feet from Josh Donaldson. And that may not be who the third baseman was now that I think (laughs) about it. But 50 feet from the third baseman. And it's, you know, like $50? Are you kidding me? Like I paid $31 in Minnesota to sit three rows back from the dugout, from the A's dugout. And oh Derek Barton's throwing baseballs to me because I'm wearing a green Hella shirt from uh, Die Hard Sports Company. That's like that's embarrassing that you can get third baseline tickets that close for fifty dollars and less. Yeah. Um, and then you go to a playoff game in Oakland, and there's thirty four thousand people there, and it's like, guys, Jesus Christ. Please come to the fucking game. Excuse me. Please come to the freaking games <laughs> in the regular season, and like we shouldn't be competing with the Las Vegas Aviators for attendance. Like the <laughs> Aviators are the AAA team for the A's, and they're out attending. I think it was the Tampa Bay Rays, the Miami Marlins, one of the two. They have higher attendance numbers than a pro baseball team. Like it's just <laughs> super frustrating as an A's fan the lack of support. So I will say I appreciate the trolling of giants fans from the A's marketing department because, because I feel like it's just, uh, just the other side of the coin. Like, Oh, giants fans and staffers don't really respect the A's. So we'll just, we'll be quick and witty. We'll be quick witted and, you know, a little bit ill tempered about things and, and troll them. I I like that sort of stuff. Uh, but, 
that's as an Ace fan. That's not as it's not as anything else. Um, I just but feel like, like the last is it. I think it was last season. They just went like lean in, like a hard lean in on it, and it was just what the what is the matter with you? <laughs> but that's because you guys are looking at it. Like from, you're not like, even our rivals. It's just like. <laughs> We've got the Dodgers. We've got our own shit to deal with. But that's because you're looking at it from somebody's perspective that won three World Series in the last nine years, eight years, because this season's not over. In terms of, like, our historic rivals, it's always been the Dodgers. No, 100%. Right. Like, I I like the A's. I'll go watch the A's. Well, I don't anymore because I live too far away. But when I lived in the Bay Area, I'd go see a couple A's games a year. Yeah, because it was $12 to buy a ticket. I like the. I don't. I don't like going to the Coliseum. So the fact that I went to the Coliseum anyway, sure. like Fair. I like. I like these, and I, I'll root for them if I'm watching them on TV. I root for them if I'm watching them in person. If they're in the playoffs, I root for them. And then it says it's just like the viciousness I encounter from Ace fans. It's like, whoa, dude, dude, what did I ever do to you? Yeah, I don't get the viciousness because for me, it's just sports. So I don't. I don't get like that. Um, I enjoy a nice little troll job like Alex Morgan today on the U.S. Women's National Team sipping tea after her goal. No, I, yeah. I enjoy that stuff because I'm like, okay, look, like it's a sp- first and foremost, it's a game. It's a game, and now and, since okay, go ahead. You you do your part. <laughs> no, no, you you finish up and then and then I'll ask you. I just I appreciate um, sarcasm and quick wit a lot. Like I think that. Being able to, and I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that she thought about what she was going to do before she did it. Like I have no doubt. You know um, she's a Giants fan, right? I didn't. Did you know she went to Cal, which is all that really matters to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Giants fans a lot. I just I don't. Uh, I no, just I don't get love it. Giants fans. I, but I get it. the other night I was playing league night softball with a bunch of friends just because they were short somebody and something happened on the field and this guy's like, Hey, you should have said, sorry. And I'm, I'm in the hole. And the guy who was yelled at about that walks up to me. He's like, should I have apologized? I was like, don't worry. I got it. And I go, if I hit a home run, I'm going to look at him and say, sorry. And (laughs) I didn't hit a home run, Ah. but as, but as athletes, I think that we all have those things that we're like, Hey, if I, if I do this, I'm going to do this. And I think that as marketing people, it's probably similar. Like you're probably on the way home and you hear a conversation and some guy's like, Hey, Hey, uh, I know we're on BART, but if you say you love the A's, I'll buy you McDonald's when we get off. And then they're like, Oh my God, that, that was funny. Like I'm going to use that. And then they pitch it and whatever. So I like that stuff. And I, I like it for all things. Like I like that the sharks released a, playlist for a Spotify playlist for every game they have this season. And the first two games we play against the Knights and the first song was, um, I think it was the kill by 30 seconds to Mars. And then the second song is four minutes by Madonna and Justin Timberlake. And I'm like, yeah, like I like that you're, I I like the quick witted stuff on Twitter between teams like the Kings and the Knights and the Sharks and Smash Mouth and the Giants and the A's. Like, I, I love all that stuff. I love it because it's just like... We could do I, a whole, like, 20-minute segment on Smash Mouth. We could. It's, it just <laughs> makes my it makes my heart smile because 
I don't take myself seriously, and mm-hmm. I guess that's why I don't take this stuff seriously because I'm just like, like, look, when the knights do something that kind of gets the sharks, I'm like, damn, that was good, like, <laughs> damn, and so it it just it makes me smile because I'm like, in it the way that our world is, the way that our political climate is, the way that our societal climate is, the way that everything is, like it's nice to just smile and laugh at something even if it's against your team i'm just like oh man like you you got me that was that was a good one i i love that so i don't know no i i I agree and i think that's actually a good place to leave it and we'll um we'll move on over into our cocktail hour and we ask all of our guests to bring us their favorite cocktail recipes do you have one yeah so um I bartended for years in Vegas, and uh, I would hope you have a, one then. This isn't a drink that I would drink, but this was like this was me trying to be smooth when I was younger. Um, <laughs> so, some girl would always walk up to the bar and be like, "Hey, I want a drink that tastes really good, but I don't want it to taste like alcohol." All right, cool. So, I would do an ounce and a quarter of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of peach schnapps. And then a half an ounce of Malibu rum, and I would pour pineapple juice and top it with Sprite, a little bit of grenadine, an orange and a cherry. And I'd give it to her, and she'd drink it, and she'd be like, oh my god, that's amazing, what's it called? And I'd be like, well, what's your name? My name's Sammy. We'll just call it the Sammy then. (laughs) So that was was always my go-to, because when you're getting killed in a restaurant or a bar, like, like you have to have a quick go-to and it was quick enough that I could, you know, pour it together in 10 seconds and still make that connection with my guest and Mm -hmm. make her feel special and do like, like do my job well and then get on to the next guest. Um, so when it sounds good too, it's delicious. It's just, uh, it's a little too sweet for my liking. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that was my favorite drink to make for other people. My favorite drink for myself, I'm super simple. Um, I just like whiskey on the rocks or nice. whiskey and Coke. Um, I'm, I'm pretty simple like that. I don't, I don't take a lot of time to make my own drinks because, one, I don't drink a lot. I, mm-hmm. I probably have two drinks a month maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have drinks, I just want something simple that I can sip on and hang out with my friends. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the I'm same way. Vodka tonic and yeah, pretty boring, but a girl. That's, okay. that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go ahead and wrap up and I wanted to give you an opportunity to promote anything you've got going on that you want to share with people. Um, I've got nothing going on. I'm, I've, I'm releasing my own podcast again very, very soon. Um, I'm in talks with an old friend who has a, a platform for me, but since my computer died yesterday, it was a, a sad day in the Neil household. Um, I've got a, you know, I got a, I got a plan in place. Um, it's going to be a minute, but it will be coming. But um, you can search for the bat flips for the Trevor project and bat flips for trans people. Uh, those are both hashtags, hashtag uh, bat flips for the Trevor project. And then the same thing for trans people. Um, I'm on Twitter at the Jamie Neal. I'm also on Instagram at the same, but I'm old and I don't really use Instagram because I don't really understand it too, too much. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, that's that's it. I'm I'm pretty excited about this this podcast coming back because uh, I miss this. Like I used to do one with Niners Nation, um, and like I said at the beginning when I started, I did my own show called Downs and Outs, Downs for football, Outs for bat for right. baseball, and uh, I miss this. Like I know that I kind of. I'm out of practice. Like I caught myself going on and on and on. I was like, Jamie, <laughs> shut up. And I couldn't shut up. And I was like, oh, I'm super out of practice. So I'm excited. No. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I'm excited for you. So everybody should follow you. What was your Twitter handle again? Uh, at the Jamie Neal, N-E-A-L. And so you should all go follow and you will be updated when there is update, when there are updates to be had. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jamie, thank you for being with us this week. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I'll, uh, I'll return the favor as soon as I get mine going. Sounds great. All right. Have a great night. Uh, you too. Big thanks to Jamie for being on with me this week. I hope you'll all follow her on Twitter and keep an eye out for updates on what we talked about in the interview and information about her upcoming projects. And while you're there, you can follow me at Simi Higgins in our podcast account at McCromcast where you'll get news about all of our current shows, including the original McCovey Croncast with Brian and Doug, as well as Roger's Prospects Podcast. You can subscribe to all of them by subscribing to the McCovey Croncast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.